0: So I know that operating system updates take a while, generally, and you're not quite sure how the machine will perform after you're done. So I've been hitting the the snooze button on this alert for the past like two or three days because it was never a good time. So this afternoon, I was getting ready to go for a walk. I'd been looking at some other stuff and I said, hey, you know what, now's a good time. I'll go ahead and let it do its thing. So I click it and start the process 30 minutes later, I'm looking at the progress bar and it's still like 20, 25% done. So I'm like, Oh boy, this is going to take a long time. This is going to take a couple hours. Uh, maybe I better find something else to do. So I'm kind of, you know, busying myself around my desk, looking for ways to keep myself busy. Cause I started at, at three in the afternoon and, uh, it's not super useful to not have your computer 30 minutes later it's four o'clock and the progress bar is still at around 25 (laughs) (laughs) percent. so at this point i'm like should i just go home so i did a quick mental calculation prayed and undocked it held my breath nothing blew up no blue screens of death came on so i packed it up brought it home It finally finished around 7 p.m. tonight, so that quick little update I was going to do this afternoon ended up taking four hours and a huge chunk of my productivity for the day with it, (laughs) but I'm secure
1: now, so thanks, Microsoft. Well, hey, if you only, you know, hit snooze for two or three days, you're way ahead of the curve of most people. I'm pretty (laughs) sure the plan for most people to just wait like three weeks before they finally give in.
0: Hello and welcome. This is episode four of We Don't Know What We're Doing, a podcast on the thoughts and misadventures of your hosts. I am Joshua Crawford from Kansas City, Missouri, and with me is Matt Austin in Fairfax, Virginia. Hello. This week, we're going to go off-brand a little bit and talk about something that we, or I guess at least you,
1: Matt, would say that we do know what we're doing. I, I think so, and it's kind of funny because when I first read the topic, when you would put this in the show notes uh, last week, which I did forget to actually tease in the last show, but uh, you know, it'll be a fun little surprise. Uh, so you had written it up as you know dad level ups grilling seasons and serving meat and I just have this sort of reflexive response against that where I always feel like I don't know, I guess I'm a uh, I'm a kitchen egalitarian uh, so you know I always feel like you know grilling is always presented as you know the limited domain of that's where the guys are and you know mom is making stuff in the kitchen and all that and you know that. Either way, that doesn't really need to be the case, uh, at least for me. Yeah, it's funny you mention that
0: because there is uh, something of a division of labor in our household, but it it never occurred because of moral grounds or uh, even for that matter, a lack of skill. It just kind of happened. And then, you know, once I figure out how to light the grill and Sarah just doesn't want to mess with it, suddenly I am now the grill master. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's just funny, because there's this, like, it's such an ingrained stereotype, because, I mean, for me, like, the grill is more of an extension of the kitchen, you know, it's not really separate at all. And, you know, a lot of people will come up like, oh, you know, you're so good at grilling meat. And, you know, I I can accept that as a compliment that it is. But I always get a little bit defensive, I'm like, I do other stuff, too. <laughs> like, I'm usually even more proud of the stuff that I make, you know, in the, you know, kitchen proper, uh, sure. as opposed to what I'm actually grilling. But I'm still always happy to talk about grilling, so. Yeah, you're like,
0: yes, I I grill excellent meat, but come taste my souffle. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: It's funny. My favorite thing to make uh, while we're on this, I actually had it uh, tonight because we de some from the freezer. I I make this gigantic batch. It makes about a gallon of uh, bolognese sauce. Uh, The day that I do it, I always, um, you know, we'll make, a big day of it we'll do lasagna and then we'll freeze you know the other half of it that we don't even put into the lasagna so that was actually funnily enough tonight's meal was uh bolognese with ricotta gnocchi Mm, that sounds delicious why wasn't i invited (laughs) i mean i i would have but your computer wasn't uh wasn't up to date i I wasn't going to be a secure invite i have a phone you could pick up the phone (laughs) (laughs) uh then you just get jealous (laughs) Yeah, I,
0: I am jealous, uh, also of your skills and this, uh, when I put this topic on here, I figured that maybe there would be some other quote unquote dad level ups that maybe I would have more input on, uh, because I, I think my main contribution to this topic is going to be humorous stories of how to do it wrong. Uh, (laughs) Um, I can function in the kitchen, uh, if we're treating the grill as an extension of the kitchen. I can I can make a few things, but I'm I definitely wouldn't consider myself a, a very skilled chef.
1: Yeah, and it's just something that I mean I tend to read a lot. Um, especially when it's something that I get interested in. So this is something where, you know, I've I've read a lot and I've done a lot and I have a lot of the, you know, tools that mark me as, you know, the rube that got the tools. Um <laughs> But yeah, it's something that I've I've always really enjoyed, so it's you know, I, I think my investments have paid off. I would
0: say so. Having, uh, having tasted your food a couple times, I would agree with that. So how are we going to walk through this? Let's, let's say, uh, this isn't a podcast. Let's say you're just talking to me as a, you know, new guy at your church and I come up to you and I ask, because I have asked this question by the way, but I, I asked it of the internet foolishly.
1: Uh, how, how do I grill a steak? Where do I start? <laughs> It's kind of funny that you ask, because there's a couple of people at my church that have actually come up to me like, to ask me about uh, the grill that I have and, you know, any tips for using that, because they've got one similar or they're looking into getting one similar. Uh, so we'll get into the actual grill and all that first. But, uh, you know, for me, I guess, you know, we'll start with steaks and chops, because barbecue is, you know, or I just committed a cardinal sin that I was going to rail against. Uh, <laughs> grilling is... It's a big domain. There's you know there's steaks, there's burgers, there's poultry. All these are different, and they're all different than barbecue, which is its own thing. Um, it's very much not a noun. Uh, it's not <laughs> equivalent to grilling. That that always bugs me. I'm like oh, you're gonna light like the barbecue? I'm like no, I'm gonna light like the grill. Barbecue is anyway. <laughs> now you're just being pedantic. I know. I am not being pedantic here. I It has a very specific meaning, and so you know, the upper the Midwest has completely I, destroyed
0: it. I think I know where you're going, but I'm not sure that I see the significance, so explain it to me. <sighs> I'm being pedantic. <laughs>
1: hmm. But all right, so yeah, so let's start. So like I said, it's a big topic, so we'll start just, you know, steaks and chops, you know, nice big... Uh, all right. What's your favorite kind of steak? What are you Ooh. gonna throw on the grill if you're gonna do some steaks? Uh, so this is probably lame and, and bourgeois of me, but I really do enjoy filet mignon. Lame and bourgeois is not where I would have gone with that. Um, <laughs> ironically, the grill is also not where I would go with that either. Um, I, I, I'm more. I'm much more likely. So filet is a very finicky thing. Like there's almost no fat. So it will cook very quickly. So if you're not watching it, it will go from wonderful to hockey puck in no time. Right. Uh, So for that, I actually usually end up like I would much rather just do that one over the stove because all you need to do is sear both sides and maybe pop it in the oven for like a couple minutes just to make sure it's, uh, you know, you get it up to medium rare. Right. Uh, I have done beef tenderloin, like a whole beef tenderloin on the grill as well. Um, so, and that actually does fit with, you know, the way that I normally do other steaks and chops, you know, large portions of meat. My favorites are always, uh, the ribeyes or the New York strip. Mm-hmm. And so the general, I'll get to the general approach in a little bit. I mean, usually what I prefer to do is have the grill at a low temperature, Put it on indirect heat so you're not putting it directly over the flame. Let that come up to where it's almost at the temperature that you want. Because when you're cooking your steak, you're monitoring it by temperature. You're not just kind of poking it. Um, Get an instant read thermometer. It will you know, save you way more times than you will think. So you'll get that. And then once it's almost there, then you go and sear it. And at that point, you're... Basically ready to serve.
0: <laughs> nice. See the the instant read thermometer is one of
1: many tools that I don't have. Where uh, where did you get yours? Um, probably Amazon. Actually, it was a Christmas gift, but it was on my Amazon wish list, uh, okay. so I'm pretty sure it came through there. So there are the kind of the Mercedes Benz, the one that's really well known is uh, there's a company called ThermoWorks, and they make a Thermapen and it's, probably about five inches, four or five inches long. And then it has a little probe that sticks out. And it's, you know, very quick. Like it will get a reading in a couple of like two seconds. Wow. And it's also commensurately expensive. It usually runs about $100. Every once in a while, there'll be a sale and up for $80. Mm. That company also makes the one that I have and that I put on my list. It's called the Thermo Pop, uh, which it literally looks like a lollipop that will stab you Uh, but it's not quite as quick you know it'll take like five seconds Uh, so it's still fairly quick it's very accurate and that's usually about 30 bucks that's much better and that one i would say yeah is uh is well worth it it's got a nice easy to read interface and it's pretty dead simple you basically just turn it on and you stick it in things (laughs) so what temperature are you looking for if you're grilling a ribeye If I'm grilling a ribeye, so that usually has a little bit more fat. I usually like it just a little bit more well done, a little bit more done than I would say a New York strip. So a New York strip, I will go for medium rare, about 125 to 130 degrees, uh, 130 degrees. Uh, Ribeye, I'll usually give it an extra, you know, five, six, seven degrees uh, just to help, you know, render a little bit more of that fat makes it seem a little bit juicier.
0: Hmm. So, and the way you described it, you had searing at the end. I've heard some people talk about like searing at the beginning and then moving it to low heat to cook for a while.
1: Yes. Um, A lot of people will say, you know, the common trope used to be that, you know, you sear it to lock in the juices. Mm -hmm. And that's a bunch of crap. It doesn't, that's not what it does. Hmm. Um, So basically the only difference is if you sear it first and then you move it to a lower heat what you'll end up with is you know starting at the top of the crust you'll get you know the nice seared part and then you know the part that was essentially overcooked to sear it and then you'll get to you know a smaller zone of you know the actual temperature that you wanted if you do it at a lower heat it it will also sear much quicker Uh, So you have much less of that little, you know, that gray zone of this was the part that was overcooked while searing. Mm, Interesting. Hot
0: takes, folks. Some controversial opinions here, but hopefully uh, (laughs) hopefully this helps somebody. So that's for steak. Do you treat other things like tenderloin largely the same? Because you mentioned at the beginning all the different uh, types of meat. So obviously
1: fish and poultry is totally different, but... other cuts of beef? Uh, Yeah, so when I say, you know, steaks or even chops, uh, actually one of my favorite things to grill, uh, we'll go to the butcher and we'll get these pork chops and they're about one and a half to two inches thick. And it's basically a T-bone, but pork. Um, So you have, you know, a bone coming straight through the middle on one side is the tenderloin. On the other side, you have, you know, your traditional pork loin and... Yeah, so all of these are kind of large, you know, contiguous chunks of meat. Um, so if you have a large enough fillet, so you can cook fillet like that. I just usually don't think it's worth the bother uh, if you've mm-hmm. already got it into individual steaks. Gotcha.
0: Okay, interesting. So if do you, do you uh, if you're grilling, do you grill fish much on the grill, or do you prefer to do that differently too, like pan fry it?
1: Uh that depends. I've done whole fish on the grill a couple of times and that's actually kind of fun. Um I'm trying to kind of describe how I did it. Um Basically on that one it actually was more of a, you know, sear first and then move it over just because fish cooks so quickly that by the time it's seared the rest of the thing is probably done anyway. Mhm. Yeah, I don't I
0: like my fish very lightly cooked (laughs) it's so easy to to overcook it yeah that's I think it's funny the way you had the show notes set up because I I kind of wasn't paying attention but uh you did have meat as one of the very early topics and I hadn't even thought about like selecting which meat to put on the grill I just think (laughs) pretty much everything tastes good grilled but it's true that some things cook better on it than others and I had noticed that just with a little bit of grilling that I've done. So I was very foolish and ambitious perhaps. We had uh, like 12 different people over, a bunch of couples from our church. And this was right after I had first got my grill. And it wasn't a, uh, I don't have a big grill. It's not a charcoal grill. It's a, a little, you know, propane grill that's got space for like uh, probably eight burgers. If you pack them in, they're pretty good. And so I'm making steak for 12 people on this thing. <clears throat> and, um, uh, I also went the next foolish step and I asked each of them how they wanted their steak done. And I found out that it is much easier actually, uh, to get a medium steak than it is to get a well steak, especially a well steak that isn't also just burnt to a crisp.
1: I think so, that's actually
0: the definition of a well steak. <laughs> well, yeah, depending on who you ask. Um, so, and this grill doesn't doesn't heat very evenly because it's so small. It doesn't it doesn't have a lot of thermal inertia. So every time you open the the top of the thing, you know you lose all your heat. And there's a couple spots where the the flame comes up where it's super hot and the rest of it is just kind of cool. So pretty much everybody's steak ended up medium to medium rare. I thought they were delicious, (laughs) but not
1: everyone agreed. If you want it well done, I mean, you have a microwave in your kitchen. (laughs) Hey, you're talking to a not
0: all that too far in the distant converted well done eater i I now enjoy my steaks medium but it wasn't that many years ago i ate them well (laughs) this is where somebody needs to break into a chorus of i saw the light i saw the light anyway (laughs) so uh you also list kosher salt on here is that all you season with
1: or do you use other spices um yeah so You know, how you season your meat is, that's up to you. Like, I'm not going to complain no matter what you put on, you know, there's a million ways to do it. Uh, Usually I like to go simple. So what I'll do is, you know, let's say I'm grilling at night. So the morning of, I'll have the steak out. I will, you know, put it on a rimmed baking baking sheet, uh, just on a grid. And I'll just, you know, throw some salt over it both sides. And then I'll throw that in the fridge. And then that night, uh, when I get home, I'll take that out, I'll throw some pepper over it, and then it goes on the grill when the grill's ready. That's usually. And it's funny because so many times, like, I'll, I'll just do exactly that. And people are like, oh, you know, what did you put on this? I'm like, salt and pepper. <laughs> so I, I'm not opposed to, you know, if you want to put, you know, like the. I, I used to do a lot of, like, the Montreal steak seasoning or, you know, something like that. I've kind of stopped using those just because since I'm salting earlier, just to, you know, let that kind of act as a little bit of a dry brine. um, You know, most of your store-bought seasonings will already come loaded with salt. So I don't want Mm -hmm. to add more onto that because then it would just become inedible. So, you know, usually I'm just like, well, I've got salt on it. I've got pepper and, you know, I'm happy. (laughs) Well, and if it's a good cut of meat, like
0: it really doesn't need very much seasoning.
1: Right. But yeah, I mean, anyway. if you want to go, you know, uh, we were at my parents a couple of weeks ago and we had uh, some thinner pork chops, just like, you know, the normal pork chops that you would envision uh, that, you know, baked. We're going to throw those on the grill. Uh, so I just threw together a little, um, what did I put? Mustard, uh, garlic, uh, some other, uh, some other herbs on there. And, you know, that was good, too. But, you know, usually my go to is salt and pepper. Nice. So real quick,
0: um, we need to talk about grills, too. But how would you treat chicken differently
1: than the, the big hunks of meat? Uh, so chicken, when I usually do that one, uh, so that one, I don't. If I'm doing, you know, just, you know, chicken breasts or chicken thighs or something like that, you know, just already cut up boneless pieces, those I will actually, I'll, those will reach for, you know, the pre-made rubs. I'll just throw mm-hmm. those on a little bit beforehand. And then chicken, at least I've found is easier to manage if I do the exact opposite of what I was saying before, where, you know, I'll just throw it on direct heat for, you know, a minute or so each side, and then I'll move it off to indirect to let it finish cooking. Uh, hmm. I've just found that I have better results when I do it that way. Uh, but your mileage may vary. Your mileage may vary. <laughs> so.
0: I mean, I would think this would be pretty consistent, although I guess it does depend on the, the grill type, which is our, our next thing we need to talk about.
1: Yeah, the grill type and the uh, like, the cut of chicken that you're using. Like, The other thing I'll do, so grilling whole chickens, so I'll spatchcock them. So that's where you just take the backbone out and kind of splay it and then you throw that you know you season the bird with whatever you want usually that I'll go back to salt and pepper um, and then you just cook that at a very high temperature and you know 30 minutes later you have roast chicken mhm
0: that sounds delicious
1: so uh, what's up on the on the grill type
0: i'm interested your thoughts and then i have a funny story when it comes to uh, what type of
1: grill you should use and why uh, so I'm very much a fan of charcoal grills. Um, I've never, I don't think I've ever had a uh, a gas grill myself. It's funny because, so when I first moved out here to Virginia, I was living in an apartment. I was on the fourth floor and I just kind of, uh, like my apartment faced the woods. Uh, so I just had, you know, this cheap little, you know, Walmart, you know, 18 inch square grill that I would just, I would go out onto my balcony, which was off of my bedroom. I would have the grill there. I'd have my stock pot behind me filled with water because I was terrified that the whole thing would just like light the, the rest of the building on fire. <laughs> and I used that for about one season when, you know, I lit the grill. I went back into the kitchen to grab the steaks and I came back out and I'm looking out, you know, through my sliding glass door and I've closed the grill, but the flames are coming through the closed lid <laughs> i'm like i i think this one's done i'm <laughs> not gonna risk that one anymore
0: yeah so uh you used your stock pot and then
1: uh disposed of the grill uh i think i might have managed to open the grill and cook the steaks because i mean i already had the steaks but that was going to be the last time <laughs> <laughs>
0: you're a braver man than me. So my story is somewhat similar, uh, but also somewhat more dangerous. So for context on this one, uh, first you have to understand that our house has a, a wood deck that uh, projects off of the second story over <clears throat> this little concrete patio. And so my grill is on the concrete patio underneath this wood deck and I mean, you know, the deck is kind of high up there. It's 12 feet or so, like you can't reach it. But, you know, wood over fire, I tend to think about those things. So whenever I am using the grill, I kind of push it off on the edge of the concrete patio just to get it a little bit out from under the deck. But it's it's close enough that if the wind caught it just right, you know, I could see something happening. So I'm all, I'm generally pretty careful about that. What I'm not very good at, apparently, is grill maintenance. So this is the same uh, grill that I was talking about earlier, natural gas, or or not natural gas, I'm sorry, propane. And uh, Sarah's family is over. They're they're visiting us. We have her parents with us. We have her brother and his wife and and our nephew. So we have all these people, and we thought, oh, this will be cool. We'll do some kebabs on the grill. So I fire the grill up. And uh, you know, I'm out there getting ready to cook, close the lid, uh, we throw a little bit of meat on it. Uh, next thing I know, I mean it's smoking a lot. And it, it's it's getting pretty hot, and I'm like, oh, this is kind of making me nervous. I turn my back to say something, turn back around, and it's it's got a little temperature gauge on the front of it, and the thermometer had just pegged. Like it went all the way passed and it was it was trying to go further but that was as far as it was gonna go and you could see little flames like licking out the side of the grill and so at that point I kind of squat down and I sight through the little air intakes and the grill is just on fire (laughs) the meat is on fire it's all on fire and All of her family is there watching this and they're like, oh my gosh, should we go get the hose? You know, oh, you can't use water on a grease fire. Where's your, your, where's your fire extinguisher? And I'm just going, oh, this, this is great. And then I'm worrying about like the, the propane hose catching fire. And then, you know, propane isn't the same as gasoline, but it's pressurized enough. You could get a little mini explosion. So uh, the first thing I do is turn all the propane supply off. Thinking, all right, maybe there's not enough airflow. Maybe it'll just stifle the flames. And sure enough, after about a couple minutes, it calmed down enough for me to open it back up and look inside. And actually, most of the meat was salvageable, fortunately. Um, but what had happened? The grill or was... the kebabs?
1: <laughs>
0: the the grill was salvageable. The kebabs were somewhat salvageable, some of them. Uh, but what had happened was the little grease pan underneath that catches the drippings had filled up and i had never noticed it and it got hot enough in there that that caught fire (laughs) and then (laughs) once that was burning that was what pegged the temperature so uh this wasn't on matt's topics or his show notes but if you are going to grill please clean and maintain your grill that's my public safety announcement for for the show
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's funny, I haven't even considered that, uh, just because, so I'll use, so the grill that I have, I have the big fancy, you know, big green egg, it's a, if you don't know what it is, it's a Kamado, K-A-M-A-D-O style grill, it's a Japanese style grill, it's basically a giant, it looks like a big green egg made out of ceramic, uh, but it's great for, you know, heat retention, uh, for, especially if you're doing long, you know, slow cooks, you know, 200, 300 degrees like I can fill up fill it up with charcoal and it will still be at the same temperature you know 20 hours later uh, which is super handy like if you're doing you know brisket or uh, pulled pork or one of those long-running uh, long-running barbecues uh, there's the proper use of the term <laughs> or or smoking have you smoked in it yes uh so like when I do you know brisket or pulled pork, I will, you know, I've got the the coals going and then I'll add in wood chunks to supply the smoke for that. Uh, and I have, there's a little piece of equipment called the plate setter. You basically set that in and it acts, it's another piece of ceramic. And so it's just a giant heat shield. So it basically makes the entire grilling zone indirect. Hmm. Uh, so when I have that, usually I'll just throw a half sheet pan underneath that to catch all the grease. And then whenever I'm doing, like a really high temperature cook, the next time after I'm done, I'll just set that upside down uh, after I've taken all the meat off and let it burn it all off. <laughs> Very nice. So I think that's a lot of what, at least uh, what I think I had on my my show notes.
0: So you said you've never used a, uh, a gas grill. I mean, I've shared one story about why a gas grill may not be the way you want to go. Um,
1: but do you have any other thoughts on, on charcoal versus gas? Um, I just like the, you know, there's definitely a distinct charcoal taste that you get with that, that you can't really replicate on gas. And so I just like that. I mean, gas is definitely nice in terms of convenience, because you can just turn it on. And as long as you remember to refill the propane, uh, then you should be good. Um, but as far, kind of, as far as I'm concerned, I mean, I have a gas stove, so, you know, why have one outside too? (laughs) Yeah,
0: no, I agree. The, the charcoal does produce a really nice distinctive flavor. The, uh, I have enjoyed the convenience of the gas grill also partially because our oven has been broken for a while. So, uh, turns out that you can grill a lot of things uh, even like pizza
1: so that's been Mm -hmm. enjoyable yeah it's been a while since we've grilled pizza uh usually i make the mistake of like we'll have a lot of people over and we'll grill individual pizzas Mm -hmm. and just because you know when i load up with charcoal and then i'm you know at 600 degrees or something for the pizza you know it's a little bit harder to have enough charcoal by the time it gets to my pizza so it'll be like It'll be start to be petering out by that point. I'm like, come on, you can do it. Uh, I shouldn't have invited those last two people over.
0: <laughs> Just trim the guest list next time. We This is kind of odd, but uh, Sam's Club, and I'm sure there's there's other places that have it, they have uh, these packages of naan bread. And mm-hmm. we've found that the, the naan actually works really well as a ready-made pizza crust. Uh, that you don't even have to bake or anything. You know, you just take it out of the package, put your ingredients on it, and grill it long enough to melt the cheese. So it's it's almost like uh, fast food pizza, and it, it tastes really good.
1: Yeah, we'll do uh, every once in a while. We will do uh, skillet pizzas. So just on our stovetop, and then or on the broiler, uh, we'll just cast iron pan, and then we'll use uh, tortilla shells with you know pizza toppings on top, just to get a nice crispy little crust very nice so before we get into uh,
0: kind of the the closing of our show there were a couple other notes you had on here uh, just about technique and uh whether to permit the meat to rest or not do you have any hot tips for our listeners when it comes to
1: grilling technique uh yeah so i kind of mentioned this earlier as far as the technique of uh, the reverse sear, uh, which is what I was saying, where you have it on indirect until it gets, you know, close to your target temperature. And then you just sear it for a couple minutes on either side. Um, as far as whether or not you need to rest meat, uh, usually I don't, <laughs> well, I I don't particularly care either way. Um, you know, they say that resting will help settle the juices so that when you cut into it it doesn't all run into the plate um but if it does all run into your plate then you can just dab it up with the piece of steak that you just cut off anyway (laughs) um and usually ours tends to rest for a few minutes by default just because we're getting everyone to the table yeah so that just sort of happens for me i feel like
0: um when we've been doing something like steak that it does seem to taste better resting, but I'm not sure if that's, uh, you know, almost like the same thing as a placebo effect uh, that I've been told that's what you're supposed to do. And so it tastes better to me just because my brain is playing a trick on me. But, uh, like you said, I think a lot of times it doesn't really matter. It's going to end up resting anyway. My problem is if you are cooking for uh, someone who wants their steak well, you pretty much have to cut it to check it, <laughs> and if you let it rest, then
1: you know you're waiting to put it back on the grill. And so, you know. And see, that's where the instant-read thermometers come in, because then you can just poke it, and you get a temperature reading, and you don't actually have to cut into it. Uh, you just have that one little tiny hole where you poke the steak, and that's not going to hurt anything.
0: Well, that might be what I get out of this episode is
1: that I need to go get myself an instant-read thermometer. I will put a link to one in the show notes. Perfect. So I'll also put a link in, I had listed a couple of uh, references uh, and it's kind of funny because the authors of these two are on the opposite sides of the rest or not rest debate.
0: Um, hmm.
1: Although they both kind of admit that it probably doesn't really matter. Uh, they just It's just how they prefer to do it one way over the other. Uh, so the two references that I have really enjoyed and both have websites uh, where you can get most of the information out of these books anyway. Um, Although the books are definitely worth it. Uh, The first is Meathead by Meathead Goldwyn. Um, You really can't go wrong with a book on grilling by a guy named Meathead. Uh, It's (laughs) fantastic. He does, you know, his book basically covers every form of grilling or slow cooking or smoking that you would really want to do. And the other is uh, The Food Lab by J. Kenji Lopez-Alt, who is also a senior editor at SeriousEats.com, And, you know, their website has been, you know, one of my main resources for uh, not only recipes, but they're also very good about, they'll have, you know, entire articles on this is why, you know, why we're doing this recipe like this. You know, we found that if we cooked it this way and then did this, then this happened, and you get a lot more of an in-depth uh, feel for what's going on, so that when you're cooking, you're actually more confident because you're like, okay, you know, the recipe says about six minutes, but I'm already seeing it's a, you know, it's a golden brown crust, so I don't need to, you know, wait six minutes where it will be black.
0: Right. That's interesting. I've I've heard the food lab mentioned before because they they seem. Uh... They seem to take a very scientific approach <laughs> to cooking, which is interesting, or or maybe syst- systematic is the right word.
1: Yeah, I think systematic is a is a good word for it. And they're they're very good, and they have you know a number of different contributors, and they're all all very good. I, I would recommend them highly.
0: Nice. So before we leave our our audience uh, to chew on their meat, so to speak, uh, I believe you have some semi random excellence to
1: share this week as well. Uh, Yeah, I think it's my turn this week. Uh, So one thing that sort of popped up uh, just in my Twitter feed and I was following and looking and I thought was really cool, uh, where it's an artist. He does iconography. So if you kind of imagine, you know, what you might find if you look in a medieval Bible or, you know, the stained glass of an old uh, cathedral, like that kind of style of art um, with, you know... uh, Some of it is, you know, sort of the traditional, you know, this is, you know, an iconographic representation of, you know, this parable or this story from the Bible. Uh, Some of it, the one that caught my eye the first time uh, was actually a sort of the more modern thing. It was the, um, this was a couple years back. uh, There was footage of ISIS in Libya uh, decapitating. uh, There were 21 Coptic Christians Mm. And so he has, it was an icon, icon, iconography. I don't know what the correct, uh, I think it's just icon for that. Yeah, I suppose so. Um, <laughs> so it was an icon, <laughs> you know, of them and their captors and, you know, Jesus kind of receiving them. And I just thought it was very cool. Um, I realized by now, I don't think I've said his name yet, uh, is Nikola Saric. He's a Serbian born. I think he's in Germany now um but i will put links to uh there's an interview with him that i first saw and then i'll also put a link to his website
0: nice all right well with that we are uh, going to move to wrapping up before we go I want to let all of our loyal listeners know that next Uh, Next time on episode five, we're going to be talking about a topic that I am particularly excited to uh, discuss with you, and that is vacations and travel, particularly for those of you that have little ones. Uh, Matt and I will be sharing some experiences that we've had traveling with our little guys. uh, Well, little guy in my case, little gal in your case, and uh, just some things that we've done that have worked, things that haven't. And uh, we'd definitely love to hear some feedback from you on that as well. If, uh, if you get in touch with us before we record, we'll try and make sure that we get some of your stories included in our show as well. So, uh, with that, thank you so much for listening. We'd love to hear from you. Our email address is podcast at we don't know.info. Our website is we don't That has all the important social media links for us such as Twitter and blogs. Please write us with thoughts, questions, comments, funny stories, whatever you've got. We'll take it, and we will be back at you in another two weeks. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. This is Episode 4 of the We Don't Know What We're Doing, a podcast I'm gonna start that over because I added word. You <laughs> got the definite article. I'm not sure where the word "the." Yeah, I'm not sure where that came
1: from. In case there are multiple it ones, we me. are the one. <laughs>